0: listening to For The Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty.
1: For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 27th of November. With the holidays coming up way too goddamn fast and everybody out shopping, that means that Vince is going to be working a fuck ton of mandatory overtime. So unfortunately, he's going to be out pretty much until January. He's going to be joining us for our campaign sessions, the last few that we have until the end of the year, as well as our end of year episode. But other than that, he's going to be out of it. So I thought it'd be a good idea just to bring a couple of guest co-hosts along. So we brought back Chestnut. So Chestnut, thank you very much for stopping by.
2: Of course, I like hanging out with you guys.
1: And so we're actually going to start with you because when we were talking about what you're playing now and would be good for topic of conversation. You listed off some of the games you're playing some, not quite as enthusiastically, but you're still playing them, but you mentioned the Sims four. And ironically, I was watching a stream of sushi. Not that one was that, I think it was last week and she was playing it as well. Now the thing is, and I don't want to shit on a game or anybody who plays said game, I haven't played a Sims game since literally the first one and at that it was only to have fun and to torture our Sims because I played it with my eldest son at the time was young and so we played together and we had a lot of fun making making that that little town and everything that you could and it was pretty new at the time so it was a lot of fun but I haven't touched it since and I've been I I don't know if it's just because of the type of game that I like to play or whatever but I've I personally find it very hard to find it entertaining to 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 find any drive to want to, again, short of torturing these poor little pixelated people, <laughs> there's there's no reason for me to get in. What What is it exactly that drives you into the game?
2: Uh, so the only reason I like to play Sims 4 is because I use it as a creative outlet and I play uh, Legacy Challenges. I don't know if you guys know what a Legacy Challenge is. I don't. Nope. Okay, so when Sims 2 came out, they introduced, um, uh, like, your Sim's age, and, and they can die, and you can have babies, and, you know, the babies don't stay babies forever, and stuff like that. So, the community came up with the idea that you have a... Family line that you play for 10 generations and you get points, and you have to do certain things and you follow certain rules. And um, the big thing about it was you don't just play it, a lot of people used it. Uh, to create diaries for this family and, um, like written from first person, third person, stuff like that. And it's the only way I'll ever play Sims. I can't, I don't like killing my Sims. I don't like taking the ladders out of pools. I don't locking, don't like locking them in bathrooms. Like it's entertaining to watch, but it's not something I enjoy doing in Sims. Well, it's
1: fun the first time you do it. And then after that, there's really not much (laughs) point.
2: Right. It's like, how many times can... I'll do it if I want to get certain ghost colors, because they've added ghost colors in based on how they die. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. That was not there when I was playing.
2: <laughs> yes, they have added a lot in. I like to use it as a creative outlet, so I've been playing it. I started up a new legacy challenge, and... um I, I've been playing it to just like, write like I've been writing story and taking screenshots um, because I like, I like to let my sins do their own thing, but doing that without any goal end goal is really boring. <laughs> so it gives me an end goal to play with.
1: Oh, you can explain this a little bit better to me because it actually sounds interesting. Not enough that I would pick up the game to try it, but it actually does kind of sound interesting. This idea of this legacy that gets passed down. How long does it take you to get through the entirety of that legacy?
2: I have never completed a legacy.
1: Well, really? Okay. Okay, well, then how long per generation do you find that it's taking kind of deal?
2: Uh, when I did my Sims 3 legacy, I got through three generations before I had a computer crash, and it took me 80 hours to get through three, three, three
1: generations. Wow. So... So, okay, now this this legacy thing that you're talking about, is this just like community-driven or is this actually in the game as part of the question in there?
2: No, completely community-driven. If people are interested, it's uh, simslegacychallenge.com and you can find rules from... Uh, two three and four there and there's forums there to like help you if you need stuff. But um, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I find it fun. I find it a lot of fun. I, I fell into it when I had Sims two, but I never did a legacy challenge in Sims two. I just like reading the blogs that were out there. And then when I got Sims three, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try it.
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, is to a certain degree, I can see how it, it, it would spark a little bit of creativity to get you like you're saying, be it blog posts or entries or short stories, even kind of thing, certainly. But, but again, maybe it's because it's been a bloody long time since I played the game. Have they really added that much in terms of what can potentially occur between Sims and things like that, that you can really draw that much from it in terms of inspiration?
2: Oh yeah. Especially in Sims four, since they took out the, um, like binary gender settings. Did you know about that?
1: No, I did not. No. Oh, yeah, I'm a complete idiot about Sims. I'm just going to say it right off the bat.
2: I didn't pick up Sims until they finally put toddlers back in because I was like, people don't go from babies to young like young kids. It just doesn't happen. Until I have my toddlers, I'm not playing. But um, <laughs> they when they put in toddlers, I think it was, that they took out uh, binary gender. So you can have a there's a setting you can pull a drop down down and you can uh, set that this character presents as feminine, but it can't have children because you know, it's however you want to play it or it presents as masculine, but it can have children. So there's a setting bar that you can uh, pick like what your SIM can do to to help get rid of that, like gender binary.
1: Okay. Now explain to me how that matters in terms of, um, how does that actually impact what occurs? Does that impact the other Sims that it would interact with in potentially romantic way or things like that? Or just the, like you were talking about can't have children, that would clearly impact whether or not they can have children in the game. But does it impact relationships and things like that as well?
2: Well, you've always been able, well, since I've been playing, you've always been able to romance whatever gender you want, just if it was a gay couple you had to adopt, but now you don't.
1: Okay. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Is is it still strictly or almost strictly like all single player or is there an online component as well?
2: It's pretty much single player. Um, they've, uh, Sims EA has done a lot with um, uh, it, it, the online like sharing community. So like you can upload your houses and your families and Sims and stuff like that. Um so there's a huge community for that, but there's not really Uh, like you can share achievements and stuff with friends. There's like a friends component thing, but you can't jump into their game and you they can't jump into yours so far as I know.
1: So it very much is still very much a a, a solitary experience. You're just, you're playing on your own and you're setting your guys to do the thing essentially. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Actually, I'd never thought of it as a, as a tool to enable you to create in in other ways. And I, I kind of really dig that now. Get, don't fucking get me interested in The Sims. I, I really don't want to. Okay. <laughs> it sounds cool, though. I will give you that.
2: That said, if you do have nope. the Origin All Access, the base game deluxe edition is free on All Access Origin.
1: No, I, uh-huh. I don't have that. <laughs> they're not getting my money. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Marty. I've been seeing you fucking playing this game for days now in discord. Apparently oh, yeah. you're having fun. Uh,
0: remember how I've said before that I have to be really disciplined about like the number of games I allow myself to play and buy and stuff. Otherwise I get sucked down a rabbit hole. Dude, that's exactly what I was thinking when I
1: saw you playing it for a fucking hours. And I'm going, Oh, that's what he meant.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's bad. So the, the game that, uh, pulled me into, uh, I don't know, a wormhole of time sinking is Stellaris. It came out in May of 2016. It is a four X strategy game, which I didn't know that meant 4x. Uh, so for anybody else who didn't know it's explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. So you're kind of like a Dalek. Um, but it's a space strategy game. There's a multiplayer component. There's a huge community. You can basically pick your race. You can create your race. End um, goals of like building your galactic empire. And I'm always trying to build a federation because I am a secret. Not really a secret, but I love the Trek. And I always get invaded by, like, I don't know, sentient crabs that are really angry that <laughs> I don't <laughs> worship their crab gods. Um <laughs> basically this reminds me of an old mac os and ios and actually also palm os game called space word ho uh that my buddies and i would play multiplayer we'd have a little land party. Wait, wait wait space word ho is space this word the type ho. of game we
3: should be talking on this game or uh, on this I, podcast about it's like explicit writing,
0: right No, it's not space it's space word ho isn't like you know there's gold in them are hills but more it's like there's space pirates and them dark are asteroids and it was just a fun time-wasting game where you build your galactic empire um Stellaris is like that but with all the bells and whistles that you could want it is amazing there's like four or five different DLCs already um the company behind it Paradox Interactive is really big on supporting it they've got a large uh they've built up their own uh support network and it's just crazy the amount of stuff that you get to do here and for the people who like lore it's you know procedurally generated when certain space events happen and it goes all over from the cold hard sci-fi that's of traditional type to the vaguely space fantasy of destiny and other things where you can encounter space magic beings and space dragons and stuff it's it's just been a hoot and people are building role-playing games out of it and out of their stories it's just been uh it's so addictive even when like last night i think it was uh sentient plants that waged a holy war against the federation and again the federation lost because (laughs) i can't make cisco so i it's there's a multiplayer component it's on steam there was a it was on sale for black friday everything for like 30 bucks normally 60 dollars and uh it's worth every penny. Except um, if I keep playing this game, I will not have a penny to my name. So,
3: yeah, my uh, my local gaming group actually has a weekly Stellaris game set up, uh, just so that they get because they are just all into that game, and mm-hmm. it, it's ridiculous. At least to me, it's ridiculous how much like they really get into like the min-maxing of it and the, the competitive nature of it. I mean, more power to them, but it's
0: it's scary. Oh, yeah, I don't get into min-maxing it, except I can. I don't like it. Um, I want to have fun to see, like, what what can I do before some other alien race tries to kill me? Like, it's pretty much, um, I read something on Reddit about this guy ran into a fallen empire that wanted to destroy his entirely ascended synthetic race of people because they were, you know, an abomination and this weird looping error that keeps occurring in the game. And uh, it, I play on a Mac, I'm a dirty Mac user, and on occasion, uh, I get weird screen tearing effects, and I can't find what the cause is, um, but it pretty much appears to be, um, I mean, it literally just started happening last night. Uh, so it's, it's a weird sort of a graphical glitch. So I installed it on my Windows partition, and I'm going to play that later um, to see if it works. That's for science.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. How long are the matches lasting you on average? Um, My empires have lasted hours. <laughs> not not a long time. And uh, it was great. I was bagging and boarding my comics and reading a couple because I just set it to slow. So I would, you know, wait till I got a notification that something happened in the background and then I'd go fix it. And then I'd, you know, finish reading... You know, uh, Doctor Afra or Doctor Strange.
1: So it's a multitasking game. Okay, and that's when you're playing, but against the AI, clearly.
0: Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm learning the game. I don't want to play against the multiplayers yet. Although I do have some people from WoW who who play. Um, but uh, I used to get my ass handed to me playing Sid or Alpha Centauri, and I want to know the game before I get beaten by friends.
1: See, there's a couple of of titles that are. Fairly similar in nature to this, that kind of came out around the same time, and that kind of shit is right up my alley as well. And I've been kind of holding off on them because I'd read up and I was getting excited. Because, like, I'm the guy that spent a lot of fucking time in no man's land when everybody else was bitching. I was like, This is fucking great! So, that kind of game it really kind of draws me in the the sci-fi stuff. So if that one is actually worth the investment, then yeah, I actually would pick it up and play it. That it sounds like it's a lot of fun.
0: It's a lot of point and click kind of strategy. There isn't a lot of like first person control your ship and go. In fact, I don't think there's any, Um, but it's, it's like Civ in space. I was just going to say that. yeah. Yeah. But it's, I, I'm telling you, like, I cannot stop playing this game.
1: Like, Yeah, but you're saying it's like Civ in Space as if that's a bad fucking thing.
2: Oh, I don't <laughs> mean it's to be a great bad thing. thing.
0: <laughs> I, it's great. Like, there's there's just so much going on with this game, including, like, I don't know what it has been for me, but, like, I've made four different empires, each one to fall to some sort of religious, you know, space zealot, and it really is getting on my nerves that, like, it feels like the alt-right is beating me in this game, and I'm trying to literally make the uh, the Federation, so they should stop doing that. It's like
1: Manson keeps beating you every fucking game.
0: It really is. It's like, we're just going to kill all the humans. And not even like in a charming bender kind of, hey, maybe want to kill all humans. When no, slaughter which, you know, cool. is
1: friendly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, all
0: right. Yeah. If you want to play, if you pick it up, let me know. I'll play. I,
1: you know what? If it's still on sale, I will check and I may very well do that. I, again, I've been wanting one of these, but one that's good. I'm trying to remember the name. There was one recently. Vince played it for a bit too, and he was saying it definitely needed some polish still. Fuck, I can't remember the name. But it was like, I'm, again, this is, I love these types of games. So, yeah, if you're telling me it's worth it, I will jump in. Definitely.
0: I think it's worth it. It's It reminds me so much of Spaceford Ho, and I wasted so much time playing that game, uh, and it was just exactly what I needed. But the thing is now, like, there's so many more bells and whistles. It feels like, I, I don't know why I have this analogy, but it feels like I am, I've got this very expensive uh, stereo receiver, and I'm tweaking every single aspect of the EQ so it's perfect for each and every song. That's what Stellaris is like, but in a fun way. Right.
1: See, the way that I look at it is when you're saying how you can just kind of let it run and then do your shit and then just come periodically kind of thing. That's actually perfect for me as something to keep me a little occupied during breaks or whatever. So I that's why sometimes I will leave something on on my screen and I'm working periodically, I'll look over and I'll just do a little something and then go back. Nothing long, 10 seconds. But it's enough that it's like oh, this is a pleasant little something that I can do for a few seconds that actually furthers my goal that I have going kind of thing. So I love those kind of games. It's not a very interactive game for most people, but if you can set it, like you said, on slow, and then just kind of pop in now and again, that's perfect. I love that.
0: Oh, yeah. You can micromanage as much as you want or just, you know, let it go. See where it goes. (laughs)
1: All right, let's go from there then and right into Destiny 2 because we did get some more news with the expansion that is rapidly coming up and some other cool news and also some fuckery. So Vince, or not Vince, sorry, Marty,
0: all you. It's okay. Wow. We, we yeah, Vince would be pretty alike. insulted right now. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. It's not like you're calling me by my brother's name. That would be... No, no you weird. misunderstand. Um, it's fine for you. <laughs> He still doesn't get it. Okay, go on. No, I get it. I get it. That was a sigh of discontent. So, let's start with the fuckery first, because that's where we should go. Um, On the one hand, Destiny uh, Bungie wasn't doing the same level of loot box lottery fuckery that EA was doing ruining a a Star Wars game with, Uh, but there has been, in effect, for a very long time, in XP and... um, chest cap where you just wouldn't find any and your xp would be cut in half um or more depending on how long you would grind and so you would not progress fast enough to unlock what is essentially a loot box oh oh hold on a second you're missing an important key point about that though it's not that you would just not
3: gain the xp the display in the game would show you that you'd be getting oh you earned a thousand xp When you would then, behind the scenes, have that cut and then applied to your bar, as low as 4% of what you saw on the screen would actually go to your earned character XP. So, they were hiding it. It wasn't just that you were earning less, they were fucking Hiding it. This, I,
1: I, I think that you are actually giving him a, them a little bit too much credit, and I know you weren't trying to, but I think you were, Marty, because I'm actually with Joe on this. Like, this was sleazy as fuck, and the reason they fixed it so fast is because they know they what's got going found on. the fuck out. They got found out first of all, and they know what this can do to a game right now because they saw what's going on with Battlefront 2. So that's the only reason. It's not like they came out and. Said, Said, oh let's fix this we found this problem we're fixing it no it's like he said they got found out oh but they tried to pass it off
3: i'm sorry marty i don't mean to shot over Absolutely. you i'm really pissed about this but like they they told you oh we're just as mad about this as you are because we we didn't notice we're gonna go ahead and turn this off now because it wasn't working as intended you fucking liars just fucking admit that your goddamn purse holders put you over the fucking barrel and told you to do this because this stinks to high fucking hell of Activision. Like, Oh, I this agree. is, this is Activision fuckery right here.
0: So I knew that there was the heart, that there were the caps and I didn't know it was as low as 4%. Like yeah. I saw now that it's uh, like, I was, I was, doing some of the research to catch up like now with the fix you're getting six percent more but it's still like there's a lot of goodwill just completely squandered on this because uh that is some straight-up fuckery like you grind this game you play this game and you're going to you know to activity to activity to hopefully get something that you would like or you know whatever just to keep the experience moving and to artificially cut the xp yeah that's some bullshit it that just it fun. makes no, no
1: sense either. It, you know, no, y'all it,
3: bullshit it, it, it doesn't it the does.
1: only sense it makes is monetary for them, but there's no other way there's, to explain it. Yes, there is
3: because at Automa, it also uh inflates your end game grind. Because if you think about it, just again. you earn loot boxes, you learn earn engrams, and there's supposed to be that that sort of built in mechanic where you can earn them by earning XP after you hit max level. So, yes, it's a bright Engram. Yes, there's a money transaction potentially involved. But then you have to look at it. It gates content behind that because you can't. We, we just talked about this not too long ago. Me at 240. Oh, I can do a Nightfall now. The fuck I can. I need more gear. I need more gear so I'm not an albatross around my team's neck. Like you, you and Tristan tried to drag me through one that first time, and it failed fucking miserably because I didn't have the gear for it. Now, the interesting thing to me is I look back on this, and this makes sense because I'm doing public events. I'm doing, you know, all these things in cycles. I'm doing regular strikes, and I'm not getting anywhere because it's inflating the time that it takes me to grind to be able to do the things. So it's twofold. It's money, and then it keeps you from blowing through the content as quickly as we did in Destiny 1. Because remember, in Destiny 1, most people were done so fucking quick with everything Okay, that there was a content drive.
1: I'm going to need you to explain it to me in a different way because the what I understood from what you just said doesn't quite make sense to me. And if I may explain why, then it'll make it easier for you to then to change the sure. way that you're explaining it. Because what I'm hearing is that because it is taking longer to level, that is having an impact on your drops, which then has an impact on your levels. However... That's not, if that's what you meant, that's actually not true because it's not having an impact on your drops. Those are going to continue to happen regardless, unless you meant as you're leveling up. But I'm talking strictly at 20. So we're talking light level. The only thing it impacts is that bright engram, which has no um, uh, uh, impact on your light level whatsoever because even the gear that you can get is purely cosmetic and you have to infuse I'm, it up.
3: I'm not just talking about the XP part of it. I'm talking about like what they did with the uh the gating of the the drops and the gating of the chests. Like remember we talked about Oh the chests, yes.
1: That yeah. This fuck, is all yeah, related. yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, Everything that uh, yeah. is related. Okay, yeah, that for sure, for sure, for sure. But that was their way of slapping a Band-Aid on their, their loot cave. It's just they should have fixed that shit before they put it into D2. And I agree with that, yeah. but it's also, uh, this all seems very, very cyclical
3: to me. Like, it's all endemic of trying to artificially inflate the amount of time you spend in the game in one way or another. Whether it's that carrot on the stick of that Engram at the end of the next level, or whether it's, you know, you might get something useful from this public event, but only if you do it at the exact right speed and don't bounce from event to event. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 they had a really good thing and it just seems like they just made some really fucking
1: stupid decisions. I, I actually agree with you. You No, no, I understand what you mean. And I agree. And I will go you one further the one of the biggest things that they do need to change in a big way and fucking fast is that idea of the, you can't loot the chest that often because there's chess everywhere. Then on top of that, once a week you're doing Cade's chess. And then if you are doing the events one after another, which is clearly what they want you doing as well. They want you doing these events. And they designed them in such a and way that you can do chests. them so fucking fast now that it's fun to bounce around and to do them, especially if you're with friends. So to limit that by fucking with the
0: chess and the drops, that's got to change big time. Oh, if you can't get to the light level that you want within a reasonable amount of time, I mean, it's one thing to get like the really cool gun. It's another thing to be gated from the content because you're stuck at the like. It's really difficult to go from 240 to 260, and then from 260 to 280, it's twice as hard as that. Like, I it took me months of not months, but like a long ass time of regular play to get to 300. Now, granted, I'm as a solo like mostly solo player because all my buddies are uh, different time zones now. But this is what happens, and. it, the chest thing was a bigger problem for me until i learned about like when i started reading about on reddit the xp cap that's some fucking bullshit uh and and to know that it was like a 96 percent cut on the Mm -hmm. xp cap for cosmetic items so that because the thing is this i really think people are going to put money towards those bright engrams if they want to get the specific emotes or like one of the ghosts or whatever, or complete, for whatever reason, you want to complete the set of Optimacy. I mean, whatever. I, I can't imagine that the amount of money that they're seeing um, dumped into bright engrams because of the XP cap is huge. See, I just we, don't see it. See, we've talked about this before, and I know that Joe and I are of the
1: same opinion. I'm quite positive that you probably are as well, Marty. It's one of those things wherein if they weren't fucking with us, I would buy some Bright Engrams every once in a while. Not very often, but it would be because I've already paid for the games. Here, I'm willing to continue supporting you because you're doing a good job. Even though I paid a lot for the game and the season pass, you know what, I'll buy this because I want that emote that I know is not going to be around when you go to the next season. So they could have more money because of that, but if they're gonna fuck it up, that's not gonna happen because just out of spite, I'm not gonna give them fucking money
0: well and <laughs> i bought I brought a bright engram because I thought I like mean, it was just after um I read about the 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 fuckery with Battlefront 2 and then I get the bright Engram that I'm reading Reddit, and like, oh destiny has got the soft XP cap I'm like mother
2: fucker,
1: <laughs> there's no way to. <laughs> Actually, Joe, before you start, Nutjob, I'm curious. Let's bring you into this conversation. We've talked about the loot boxes fiasco now a few episodes in a row. What's your take on it? Not just pertaining to Destiny 2, of course, but just in general.
2: Is it suffice to say that I don't like them?
3: (laughs) I think that's fair.
1: I was trying to bring you into the conversation so you'd have more talking points. But if that's all you have to say, I guess we can move on.
2: That's really all I have to say. (laughs) You guys have covered it. I mean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. All right. All right. How about we move on? To the good stuff. To the good stuff. Indeed, yes.
0: So Stream 2 for Destiny, uh, for Curse of Osiris, we got to see that the basis of the Curse of Osiris X-Pack is going to be more adventures, and they you know, told us the week before that heroic adventures are coming, and that you're going to be able to do adventures in the Infinite Forest, which will be, I don't know, bespoke-generated, maybe a term they would prefer to use, where you can experience the story And expand upon the role that Osiris and the Becks are having. And they're also in the stream, they made it sound like it's this brand new way of experiencing Destiny, but this is what they did in Destiny 1. Um, The strikes are the two new strikes are going to be part of the Curse of Osiris main story, which is cool. And then they're going to go back into your rotation. Um, But I don't know about you guys, but I've had, like, I'm in the strike playlist and I'm doing the same strike over and over. Like I did one three times in a row. Uh, it was yep. bored. I'm
1: going to say it. And again, it could just have been my luck. I haven't actually been doing as many strikes on the PS4 lately. I've been doing mainly on the PC side and the PS4 only has the one additional strike. However, for whatever reason, it feels like there's more variety on the PS4. They rotate a lot more, it feels like. I don't know if there's something with the, 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 the coding where it is more random and less of what happens on PC side, and I would presume on the Xbox One. But man, it was constantly different. But I will agree, on the PC side, I am, I'm almost constantly running the same ones over and over again. Which ones are you guys running over and over? I just want to see if it's the same ones. Well, the pyramidian, of course, is, mm-hmm. like, all the fucking time. Like, all the time. Not just the Nightfall, because that's what it was this week, changing over tomorrow. But it's just, that's the main one that we are seeing. Like, seriously. All, I If I get a fucking inverted spire, I'm giddy. I'm like, oh, great. It's like... <laughs> I love this one. I haven't seen it that much. This will be nice. I literally, I cannot remember the last time I ran an inverted Spire on the PC side.
3: It almost feels, here's the thing. Here's a weird thing too. I've heard the same complaint from Xbox players. I've not heard this complaint from PS4 players. No. And part of me wonders if this is another layer of them fucking with us because they still have a grudge against fucking Microsoft in general.
1: Dude, if you go back and you listen to the first few episodes of the podcast after the game came out on console, I talked about it. And I talked about how impressed I was with the fact that it felt like I was constantly running different strikes all the fucking time. It was fantastic. I mean, you queue up and it's like, I wonder what I'm going to get this time. And it was just a lot of fucking fun. Meanwhile, on PC side, which clearly I'm having more fun playing not just because it's PC side but of course with friends and with my son all the time but
0: it's like uh, we're running the same shit all the fucking time I have run Pyramidian exactly one time
1: I are you run, fucking
0: serious I'm serious Holy shit. seems to be all I get dealer one I don't know 20 times it's like that's the one I did three times in a row and so to, to I'm sorry which one up, I didn't hear you which one uh, the weapons on. dealer Yeah, Zahn. And, like, okay, the dialogue changes a little bit every time, and, you know, I can swap specs to make it more interesting for myself, but I'm so sick of Zahn. Like, I don't want to fight Zahn. It's, you know, I'm just done. I don't understand why I keep getting the same strike over and over, and I've been, you know, trying to do other things. Like, I've been playing a lot of PvP in Destiny, Got to get my Iron Banner grind on. So, yeah, no, you're
1: not the only one that's noticed it, definitely. And really? I, and I'm coming at it from the perspective again of that PS4 player and also PC, and it is, it's night and day between the two. My experience. I'm not going to say that's how it is for everybody because clearly I don't know, but my experience has been night and day between the two of them.
3: Like I said, I would not be surprised if this is some more fuckery yeah, on their part of just saying, you know what? Fuck Microsoft. Fuck everybody who plays on it. Hell with it. You get this. No randomization for you. Fuck off.
0: It is it's just possible. Nuts. I
1: honestly I wouldn't put it past them, which is a sad statement, but
0: uh, yeah. I'm going to keep looking into this. And so next week, hopefully, I'll have more data to back up this thought because it's not the same strikes with the three of us are running. But the fact that we're running the same strikes over and over again, uh, like probability suggests that I should see the pyramidian more than once um, in, a, in a, in a number of hours of play.
1: Speaking um, of the pyramidian, just very quickly, Tristan and I got our uh, on, was it on Saturday or Sunday? I can't remember. We ran through a bunch of stuff. Again, was not a fun weekend. So a lot of pain. So I was just on pain meds and, playing and he was like, hey, let's let's just play and have fun. And so what we decided to do, which again you gotta give him credit for where credit is due, the idea of just okay, well, you know what, I don't feel like PvPing. I'd rather not just run a strike right now. What can we do? How about we work towards our exotic weapons? Boom, there you go. So we worked on Rat King, we worked on Sturm, and we worked on the uh the Mida tool. So it gave us something to work <clears throat> pardon me something to work towards for a couple of days, actually, and we had a ton of fun and for the the rat king, for anybody who's not aware, there's multiple stages, well, all of them have multiple stages, so you get a little piece of bullshit thing that takes up a slot in your inventory for a while and it tells you how many X you have to kill and how you have to kill them sometimes they're unique or sometimes they're in patrols or sometimes they're in uh, crucible and yak 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 so we did the each of the stages of the rat king to, to, to be ready for it and then the last stage is you have to run a nightfall strike and have five minutes left on the clock Sweet Jesus. So that's fucking hard. <laughs> and depending on what the, the, what do they call it? They're not the perks for the week, but the requirements, whatever you want to call it. Cause there's two special things in a week when there's a nightfall strike. And this week here, it was your super's, gain uh you gain your 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 energy a lot faster so you can use your ultimate abilities a lot more often, but the time there's no way to bring the time back up again because normally that time ticks down, but you can either uh kill specific creatures or bosses or destroy things artifacts in the world to give you like thirty seconds of pop or whatever but that's not there, so you are rushing through this motherfucker. So that you can finish with five minutes to spare. And we we did it. Uh, uh, we ran the Nightfall a, a few times. But we never made it close to five minutes. We were like either at the under a minute mark. Or the best we got was I think at three and a half minutes. And I was like okay well you know what. We're not going to get it this week. But we'll get it next week. And then we decided to run it for for on, on a couple of different characters. And different specs. And... This is the joy of this game. Again, any game that you can, when you get your, what you've been working towards for a while and you have that cheer moment, be it silent or whatever. If that fist goes up in the air (laughs) and you are fucking cheering, that's when you had just a great gaming moment. We ran through that motherfucker Pyramidion trying so hard and going so fast and we literally made it with nine seconds to spare. Oh man. And there was cheering on both ends because I heard Tristan from upstairs even, <laughs> cheering. And he was so happy because we'd been working at it. And it was so, because you're counting down as well. And it happened that the fucking boss killed me at the end with maybe 30 seconds, like five minutes, 30 seconds. And instead of trying to down him quickly by himself, Tristan came to me and res me because I'm his dad. But it worked out for oh. the best huh? We worked together and we got it Down with the nine seconds and it was like That was brilliant that was so much Fucking fun
0: Yeah that's that's how I felt when I got The exotic swords in Destiny 1 Like because there was a ridiculous Amount of grinding and getting stuff And then beating bosses in Particularly difficult orders and When my buddy and I did it we were just Thrilled to oh, the point yeah. where Shannon was going to ground me from the Exorcist <laughs> so, um let's see what else was revealed in this stream we also saw so heroics we saw more of the infinite forest um and a lot of um we saw a lot of the new public event jumping back and forth i think was that this was this stream i'm confusing my streams i've crossed i crossed the streams that's a ghostbusters joke yes we got it
2: okay just checking Um, it was a terrible joke so we ignored it
0: Ah, I was going to edit it out, but now I'm not. It's that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, uh, seeing how uh, Mercury's public events are going to unfold. And my particular favorite was um, the end game activity of uh, to grind out with the strikes and with the crucible matches to get the particular uh, cult of Osiris guns that have been cobbled together. And the discussion that they had regarding these were guns that were created specifically for this based on the idea of what type of guns would have uh, Osiris have had when he was exiled. And then as he continues to explore the infinite forest and kill Vex, how he cobbles together better, more powerful guns. And so you are now going to learn those secrets and make those guns through the Forge. And that Forge animation was also like vaguely, it was like a a light-based 3D printer. It was kind of cool. See, I love that shit.
1: I, as much as I love certain guns because of, you know, they look nice and sleek and whatever. I like the shit that's got the rusted bolts holding it in place or the, the little wires going around or whatever, something that has been, has lived So when they are talking about that kind of stuff, it's like, yes, because that is what would happen with this character. It makes perfect sense. So it makes that weapon that much more valuable to
0: me and and cooler. I agree. I'm just like, so there's 11 slots. What are the guns that we're going to get? Because hand cannon, sidearm, scout, fusion, pulse, sniper, Auto. uh, auto, submachine gun, submachine Uh, I guess heavy and then because clearly we're not going to well maybe grenade launcher sword oh dude I want a fucking vex sword (laughs) we better get like some sort of Osiris looking vex sword
1: I I want a sword with his goes with Marina Magarin's voice in the hilt that's what I want. <laughs>
0: oh, oh my
1: God. I want a sword that talks back to me. Is lippy.
0: Oh my God. Somewhere there's a D and D campaign based on destiny where you add your ghost to your sword for extra damage or something. Um, and I want to play in that game. <laughs> That'd be awesome, actually. <laughs> right? So but what else? Oh, yeah. well, the, the next week we're going to get the. So next week, uh, by the time that comes out, though we will be playing the game. We're going to see what the, uh, the uh, excuse me, we'll be seeing what the guardian is going to be wearing, like the new armor, the sets a um, lot more lived in than um, from what we've seen uh, on the stream. It looks like it's a lot more lived in than the first time we encountered Osiris, which is interesting. Um, it feels like the story has moved on and that the events of the red war have caught up with Osiris to some degree and to his followers. Uh, those are the, my major takeaways from the stream And I'm, I'm excited to see what we're going to uh, Find out tomorrow, actually so When is it coming out again? I can't remember December 5th Yeah, I knew it was soon, fuck, that's real soon
1: Yeah, And well,
0: I like the idea Of the, the streams building up to it Because I don't think they did that before They've had streams before, but not Like, I don't think it was weekly Last time, with uh, Taken King Or Rise of Iron See, that's something that when we were talking
1: to Um Uh, Wonder and, uh, oh, damn it, Joe, what was her name? About Hub. Uh, What's that? Yes, when we were talking to them and they were talking about having to change how they're dealing with content creators right now and in particular, streaming and what that means and and impacting so many uh, viewers and things like that to get them interested in your product and whatnot. So it's not interesting that Bungie realizes over the years now, they've realized how important those dev streams are and how much the community is clinging to those. So certainly if you are trying to drum up interest, not just still for the game, but also for anybody who bought the game without buying the season pass to say, no, no, you really want to pick that up because now look at all this great shit we're going to be giving you. So it makes sense that they're they're giving us a lot more of what we want. So it's a win-win for us as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, it's also, you know, par for the course for Bungie, like back in the day when they were just working on marathon games and uh, myth, they had a webcam attached to their lobby so you could see who was coming into the building when they still worked in Chicago. And I did waste a lot of time uh, on my computer when I was in college, like watching the Bungie (laughs) webcam, which was literally like a frame a second of a GIF because that's what the technology was at the time. But this is... This is something that they've been doing that's been baked into their DNA. So live stream is so much better, but I kind of do miss the, uh, the lobby cam. Joe and I actually had a lot of fun with my son
1: again. We ran a couple of uh, uh, Nightfall Strikes, and we did actually surprisingly well. We had a lot of fun. We ran on some alts, too. I to didn't kill, kill the team. Hey, we had a lot of fun. You did good, buddy. You did good. And uh, no, we had a lot of fun.
0: Uh, arc and- Strider from life. That's that's the last thing I'm going to end this segment on Destiny 2 Arch Strider for life.
1: You, you realize the sale is still on for the PC client. I know you keep ignoring me on this motherfucker. <laughs> you could be playing with us too if you wanted to. I will have to
0: like one maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, I would spot you a fiver
1: for the sale. That would that would I drop I, I would down. throw 5 on it. That that saves you 10 bucks <laughs> on that price. Which is on sale, like, 40% off, 67% off, 80%. It was a huge sale, is what I'm saying.
0: My my plan is to, to do PC gaming once I get my uh, new dock for my computer so I can have the space, because I don't have a lot of storage space on my uh, PC partition. That's what you're going with. It's a good one, though. Like. Yeah. Literally, I've got like uh, 100 gigs, and I have development tools on my Windows side so I can, you know, work on this work oh, stuff.
1: fine. Shut up. All right. All right, let's move on from there. We actually are going to talk about the patch that is coming out for WoW, and that is coming out. Joe, you said that's coming out tomorrow, right? Yeah, it, hit,
3: it drops tomorrow.
1: So nothing that you are that excited about, but what actually is coming in that patch so the big thing is that it's Antorus, the, uh,
3: the Burning Throne, is going to actually launch. That's the new raid. And this is where we're finally going after Sargeras after all these years. And we're doing it on Argus at the center of his power where the Burning Legion was born. Now, from a lore standpoint or a story standpoint, it is actually pretty cool because we're actually going to go and see how the Legion is actually eternal and in what makes it so that demons don't actually die it's not that they can't die. It's just that there's something that keeps them from dying and we're going to go fuck with it because that's what we do. Um, There's also some cool stuff that involves the Titans and the fate of the Titans uh, from way back, not just, you know, what we've been told in the book uh, where, you know, Oh, Sargeras destroyed all of the Titans and struck them down. No, it's apparently a whole lot more complicated and pretty cool about what we're going to be doing with that uh, in the Sense of spoilers i don 't want to give too much away, but there 's some cool cool interactions that players get to have as far as that goes now, the other big things are essentially the completion of the campaign story on Argus, which leads you into the burning throne, and then the aftermath of everything that happens after you complete that raid and changes to the world and i've talked about this in the past and i didn 't want to give too much away but it's interesting to me because they're going to be fundamentally changing Silithus. We haven't gone to Silithus in a very, very long time.
1: When so was the last time you did? This okay, pa- it, well,
3: this expansion as a shaman. Yes. Because I actually had to go there to go beat the elemental plane of wind into submission as part of my oh, yeah. campaign, which I thought was cool. But other than that, you haven't gone there since Vanilla. Yeah, no like, kidding. So they're making it important again with the things that's happening there, which I think is an interesting choice and also pretty fucking cool. So that's that's the big stuff that's coming. There's going to be a whole bunch of uh, new legendary items. Uh, there's going to be new level cap as far as eye level goes, which now you can actually raise legendary items to eye level 1,000. Uh, which doesn't really matter because in the next patch everything's getting a huge ass fucking squish anyway, but it'll make you feel good for a couple of moments, but that's really about it, and there's like little tiny tweaks and class balances, but it really is silithus is the part that the mo- is what i 'm the most interested in because I mean seriously, like old gods, Cthune, encouragege, some important shit went down in that zone, that bland ass bug zone. So
1: it'll be it'll be entertaining. it'll be fun, that job, you were saying you're actually not that excited about it either. What is it that you really don't give a rat's ass about? everything <laughs> so you you're not doing the rating stuff
2: I'll be rating because I enjoy rating with the guild that I'm in, but I really like my motivation to do a lot of the outside stuff will kind of be zilch.
1: Let me ask you this: is that because you are losing interest in? WoW as a whole or the stories within or the stories as they're going now
2: I love the stories and I love my chronicle and stuff but I I feel like it's eh. like I I like my class story but like once the class story was done it felt so fucking pointless and and like the new stories they're bringing in like it's mm, I don't know I, like I don't know how to explain it they're just, underwhelming maybe is a good word they I'm just kind of like meh That wasn't interesting. Okay. (laughs) Maybe it's like I'm not invested in the characters. Like a lot of people were really excited when we got to go to Argus and we saw characters that we haven't seen since Warcraft 2. And I'm like, eh, okay. I mean, I remember their son in Burning Crusade and he was cool and all, but he's a fucking elf, so I don't care.
1: So is it mainly the story is not touching on characters and plot lines that you're interested in or you've pretty much meh about the game as a whole, the writing, at least
2: a little bit of both. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Nothing wrong with that. Hell, like I've been saying to, to folks the last little while, this is the first time in, well, 13 years now where I have like zero interest in, in playing. Normally there's still a little, eh, I'd like to kind of go in and do a little something every once in a while, but there's not even that. So again, unless there was something spectacular about anything that's going on now, not that interesting. What about the expansion news that came out just recently? How excited are you for that then?
2: Like the stuff they announced at BlizzCon? Or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, all I have to say is fucking Queen Ashara, it's about fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> She's like the badass bitch of badass bitches. Like, I love her. <laughs> but like, that's the only reason I really want to play the expansion. I'm like, <laughs> I get to see her.
1: <laughs> all right, then. All right. Anything else, Joe? No, that's all my dukes. Yeah. Okay. Not much there. Okay. Let's close out then with this Kickstarter that you found that I found pretty interesting as well. So this
3: one is called Cartooner. And let me preface this. Let me back up real quick. We don't just play video games. Board games are are a big part of at least my gaming experience because some of the coolest story-driven Interactions happen, whether it's, you know, DD, uh, or if it's the haunting or, or, or betrayal of the house of the hill or anything like that. We have some good fun with them. So I'm always looking for new board games to add to the mix. Well, Cartooner came up in one of my feeds as something that, hey, you might be interested in this because you play all sorts of weird shit. Uh, and yeah, it's right up my alley. So it's, it's imagine Pictionary but with actual points and rules in a system set up where it's almost like, I hate to say it like this, but it's like roguelike Pictionary. And the idea is that there is a theme deck which has about 150 different themes that players draw from, and then there are theme modifiers, whether it's a classic trope or, or something that colors that theme. So your theme could be, uh, you know, saves the world, or, you know, it's haunted houses or mutants or, or something. And then you have the trope cards or trend cards, I believe they're called, where it represents the the comic tropes, such as shared universe, crossover, reboot, origin story, disasters, or destiny. And the idea is you, you have these modifiers and these themes that encourage you to create uh, four panel comics with in a certain amount of time. The quicker you do it, the more points you gain. And then collectively, sort of like Cards Against Humanity the players at the table vote on what they think is the funniest or the best that represents that theme. And it's kind of a cool thing because everybody gets to just do whatever and sort of let their imagination run wild. And you don't have to be a great artist to play a game like this. Like look at XKCD. It's a web comic that's been going on for, you know, how long now? And it's stick figures. It's literally stick figures. You could do that here. It's all about humor and, and wit and how you interpret sort of the, the themes. And I think that's really cool because you can play this and the way that the card combinations are, you could have, I forgot how many thousands of different combinations. And that's cool. That, that That's a fun time of drinking and, and playing at the table with your friends. And it's right up my alley because it could be whatever you want. There are no restrictions. And I love that. I
1: honestly, legitimately love that concept. For a good enough, a a good size group, especially, I thought this is, would be so, so much fun. Get a group of people and preferably not funny coming from me, but preferably not too old. But it has this feel of like, so you want to be a web comic artist. You know, you, yeah, you yeah. want to do web comics, let's have some fun with that. That's how it strikes me. And because of that, because I've thought about doing that several times, a lot of people have, mm-hmm. I love that idea. It'd be so much fucking fun. As a, again, if you're in a big enough group that people can be shooting the shit as they're doing shit like that, oh, my God, it'd be hysterical.
3: Oh, and I, I did the math. So apparently the unique combinations are somewhere in the neighborhood of 210,000 unique combinations. <laughs> so, like... You are never going to get, I mean, it is statistically improbable. I won't say never. It is statistically improbable that you will ever see the same combination of cards. And that's cool. I think it's awesome. I think it's bloody
1: fucking awesome. Okay, with that we are going to actually wrap up the episode. Thank you very much for joining us. There's going to be a feature yet again from Professor Pogue on History 101 for Destiny 2 for Barty. And I would like to very much thank Old Nutjob here for stopping by. Why don't you tell the folks where they can find you?
2: Uh, the easiest place is at GG Chestnut on Twitter, and I forget my blog URL, but it's there on <laughs> somewhere.
1: In the podcast. <laughs>
2: Uh, no podcast right now. Wild oh. Past is on hiatus still. <laughs> None of us are really playing Wild Star, so
1: okay. I thought that one was still going on. Yeah, unfortunately, there's been a little bad news about that too recently. Some of it, rumors, but I, I'm really hoping that game continues. Really freaking hoping because there's so many things about it that I like. So, but anyways, you can find us uh, at ForTheLore.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually, Joe is LorderZenJ. Vince, who was not here, is at Simodian. Marty is Officer Gleason, and I am Zen Buddhist. And you can also leave us your thoughts on iTunes and Stitcher. Once again, thank you so much for coming by, Chestnut. It was, as always, a joy to have you on the show. And with that, we will see you guys next week.
0: Everybody, uh, sorry I'm late. Sorry I'm late. Uh, busy night. Um, Everybody, we're going to talk today about uh, the oldest foe of humanity, the most ubiquitous foe uh, that humanity has faced, and also the most boring, and also uh, maybe the most pitiful, the most ones that we can have a shared sense of empathy with. I'm speaking, of course, of the fallen, or as we have learned from Variks, the loyal, The Alexni, they are the uh, six-legged, six-limbed race that uh, is everywhere from outside the reef to Mercury, uh, to Earth, and almost everywhere in between, possibly even raiding parties on Mercury, although that is yet to be seen. The Alexni, I'm just going to say Fallen because I know we all know how to pronounce Fallen, but the Fallen, uh, at one time, were graced by the presence of the Traveler. Uh, allegedly, she elevated their civilization. They created machines and uh, in, a, in a sort of homage to her. And then they were uh, hit by a tragedy they call the Whirlwind, which is from all reports and study, analogous to the darkness. It destroyed their civilization and they sent scattering. And in the ashes of that event, What is left of the great Alexni houses is the Fallen. Uh, What we know about the Fallen and their biology, they can survive roughly the same way that people can. Uh, They do uh, survive on something that they call ether. The flow of ether makes them stronger. And I don't know if this is what existed before the Traveler or after the Traveler or was instituted because of the Traveler. But uh, the lowest ranks of the fallen do not get as much ether as the top ranks. Also, as a sign of subservience, they have to uh, dock their lower limbs. Only Kells and Archons and Bishops. Oh, see, not Bishops. Um, it's another term, not a religious one. Uh, dukes. Whatever, let's say Dukes. Uh, they get to keep their arms. Others get docked, and there are caps that exist on their appendages to keep them there. And then if they prove themselves, I guess they get them back. So they do souls have some regenerative ability, or they can also splice them on with their access to human technology, or even their own. The top of the rank is made up of the Archon Priest, who conducts the rituals and has hands out the ether. The Kal, who leads the forces and is the Executive in chief, and then the barons that exist underneath him. Yeah, I think it's Baron, Duke, Baron. Who knows? They have we we don't know their word for it. We just gave them one of ours that sounded pretty neat. And uh, throughout the hierarchy, the rank of Servitor, the machine gods of the Fallen, what's left of the Traveler and their energy and their understanding, stored in the Servitor. Uh, they are AI. They are synthetic life, I believe. Um, they're not the—they're not as clever as a ghost, but they're not. Uh, but some of them are incredibly devious and smart. So they—I believe—they run the range of intelligence in that way. They also have autonomous drones that do a lot of their work for them, uh, and they have six-legged tanks that they call walkers. Why do they have tanks? I don't know. Uh, it helps them with their recovery and scavenging efforts. See, it appears that the, the Fallen have been scavenging technology on this side of the galaxy since their uh, calamitous occasion. This is important because that means they can also scavenge and use our own. And the Fallen have been looking. We're looking for something in our backyard for a very long time, and we believe what they were looking for was Siva. SIVA, which is a topic we'll get to later, but think of SIVA as being uh, programmable nanites that can transform anything into anything else. It would be an amazing thing for a colonist to have. Well, what the, the Fallen did is they uh, bonded it to some of their splicers, the ones that were, you know, that uh, find technology and implement it into the Fallen caste systems. And then... um went to war with us over it. It was not fun. I lost a number of friends. I had to have an eye ocular lens replaced because of them. I still don't forgive them. But for all of our problems with the fallen, they're in the same situation that we are. Something is different about us in that the light, we can wield it. Whether or not that has to do with Rasputin, our golden age AI, remains to be seen. But they are struggling to survive in a world that uh, tried to kill them. And they're doing what they can. And there have been some efforts at peace with them. This is despite the fact of the Battle of Six Fronts, where in the early days of the city, the Fallen laid siege to the, the, the city, and guardians of legend, including Osiris and Zavala and Lord Shacks and Saladin and the Iron Lords, rallied and pushed the Fallen back so that Earth would be ours, or at least mostly ours. I also feel the need to point out that the only reason why the Battle of Six Fronts was successful against the Fallen was because the Queen uh, at the Reef went to war against the last remaining House of uh, the Fallen, the House of Wolves. Which leads us to another person called Skolas, which leads us to a whole other set of history, which we can totally get into. But for a quick survey course of the, of the Fallen, what we need to know is this. They're, they're, they're smarter than we give them credit for. They're very clever. And they have been, uh, well, to be fair, they've had everything taken away from them. And they are trying their best to save their race, their civilization, their culture. And if the shoe is on the other foot... I am guaranteeing you that humanity would be doing something very similar. What's different is that the light shows us. I don't know how much that weighs on a moral scale, but it does something. Before I go uh, and go back to whatever I was doing before, which is uh, involves some other information about the vex, which I don't know if you guys want, let you know, let the headmaster know it's Zen Buddhist and on Twitter if you want more vex stuff, we uh, we need to know a little bit about the fallen houses. Now, the House of Exiles are a group that exists on the moon and they have no Kel. The House of Wolves uh, was the most dangerous group of fallen, led by, uh, oh, in the end, led by Skolas, who believed himself to be some sort of apocryphal, mess- messianic figure known as the Kel of Kels. Uh, We also know of one Olenskney Fallen uh, who runs his own house called the House of Judgment in the Reef. His name is Varix, and he is a wonderful source of information. Just don't give him your ship. Um, He's loyal, but we really don't know who he's loyal to. The House of Devils and the House of Kings are on Earth, and those are two Fallen houses that uh, we haven't seen much. In the aftermath of the Red War, what we have seen is House Judgment symbols and House House Dusk symbols. Um, reports are coming in that these are fallen that are scavenging something other than human technology. Finally, um, this might be Hive technology, and a desperate race of people who then turn to the darkness in order to get what they want. That's something we should probably really be worried about, and maybe. Instead of shooting them all, we should. Well, maybe in the past, we should try to uh, reason with some of them. But who knows what the future holds. Um, there is the rumor that Prince Aldrin from the reef has his own house of fallen. But we haven't seen him. So I don't know. In any event, they've got houses. They've got weapons. They can, they're can. they very clever. They can adapt to any environment. They eat something called ether, which may or may not be poisonous to us. And they worship machine gods in the shape of the Traveler because once upon a time, the Traveler chose them. All right. Uh, get your midterms to me very soon. Uh, what is it? Ten, ma- 10 pages max on the darkness. Uh, bonus points for including anything on factions. And until next time, uh, proto-guardians and cryptographers, don't get your faces blown off. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at manellijamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.